Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. This is Mark Shaw broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching-oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of overcoming adversity. I also speak with authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. And sometimes I coach listeners who call in live on the air. So be sure to tune in on the first and third Sunday of every month. I'm also very excited to start off this show with an announcement that um, Mark My Words has been picked up by the Transformation Network's uh, Conscious Business Channel uh, on ConsciousBusinessRadio.com. You can visit the Conscious Business Radio Network at ConsciousBusinessRadio.com um, and find me there. You can actually find the link for there uh, specifically to my host page on the Mark My Words Radio homepage. Um, and you can also visit the Transformation Network at transformationnetwork.com. So I'm very excited. They've picked up uh, Mark My Words as a podcast, uh, which they will be broadcasting uh, twice per week. Uh, as well, it will be archived there just like it always is for your listening pleasure later on the archived past episodes on markmywordsradio.com. So tonight's guest, I'm uh, very excited to be speaking uh, with her. It's a woman named Cheatham Knebel. And when Cheatham struggled to find high-interest, low-readability chapter books a young dys- dyslexic could painlessly read, she began to write one herself for her seven-year-old son. Cheatham is the founder of Simple Words Books. Her mission is to help young dyslexics and early readers with fluency, comprehension, but most importantly, self-confidence. She accomplishes this by using many carefully chosen words and one-syllable, closed syllables, dulce sight words, short sentences in her book uh, with the skills of young dyslexics in mind. Her first book is called Sam is Stuck, uh, and that's a hybrid uh, of, hip, uh, of Hop on Pop by Dr. Seuss and Frog and Toad by Arnold LaBelle. It fills the void in the market for low-level, high-content chapter books. Sam is Stuck is now also available on Amazon Kindle Store for pre-order. The book is launched to uh, be released at the – it's scheduled to launch at the end of this month. And we'll be telling you tonight actually how to get your, uh, your copy. So, um, so Cheatham, I'm very happy to have you on the show this evening. Welcome to Mark My Words. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Mark. It's a pleasure to talk to you. 
Oh, great. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, I'm really excited to help you get the word out about, uh, about Sam is Stuck and about the whole technique involved in writing the books and how people can really join in to uh, not only receive the book if they're looking for one, but also uh, to be able to uh, join in in helping uh, young dyslexics to read. So uh, thank you for being here. The number to call in if uh, anybody's interested in calling in and asking us a question here live on Mark My Words is 646-716-716. 9397. So, Gene, tell me a little bit first about uh, what dyslexia is, and, and then we'll get to how you found out that your son has it and how it affects his life. So, in a nutshell, what is dyslexia? So, uh, first of all, uh, as a disclaimer, I'm not a trained expert on dyslexia. I'm just a mom who has read endlessly to really learn about what dyslexia is to help my son. And mm-hmm. what it's a uh, but its official definition is that it's a specific learning disability, which I like to call learning difference, that is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by like poor spelling and decoding abilities. So, um, so it's, really, um, it's really a learning difference that uh, makes reading a bit more difficult for, for dyslexic because their brain matches the sounds with letters in more steps than Mm-hmm. Uh, non-dyslexic would. And the person's intellectual does not really match the outputs of their reading level. Uh-huh. And amazingly, okay. studies show that uh, about 20% of the people are dyslexic in the United States, which means that one 20%. in every child is, is dyslexic, which I thought was just a stunning statistic. Interesting. And I noticed you used the word learning, um, learning difference instead of learning disability. Tell me a little bit about that, uh, that word choice. So um, learning difference is, uh, the way I see it is, um, when it's a disability, I feel like that's a block that is harder to overcome. But it is a word that has to be used because um, through insurance companies and the support that children get uh, at, at the school system, it has to be a disability. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see it as a disability because um, there are ways to really go around it. There are lots of technologies out there. There are methods to teach children to read. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's just a different way of learning, which is not very common in the in a typical school environment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and, you know, there's lots of learning differences out there, too. I mean, we have the traditional school environment. You know, we all sit in rows in classrooms and, you know, and all that. And there are children that don't learn that way. Um, and they're always at a disadvantage. So as schools kind of uh, have caught on, Certainly, in the years since I was a kid in school, um, and create different ways for children to learn and interact with uh, the material they're learning. You know, it, it, it kind of gives everybody a little bit more of, uh, of an advantage. I'm also aware too that by calling something uh, a disability, that sort of adds to the burden of having it, right? Um, and sort of in terms of self-esteem and confidence. So I think it's important that we watch what we call things. So I, that's why I admire uh, that choice of words. That, that's uh, I think that's important. Thank you. And I, I do believe that dyslexics are often very bright people. And they have many mm-hmm. strengths such as like creative thinking, seeing the big picture, curiosity, problem solving, out of the box thinking, spatial reasoning mm-hmm. and you know, they have advanced vocabulary and, and so much more, which are really critical in today's life and I think it will be even more critical as today's children will grow to be the uh, you know, working uh, people as a you know in, in twenty years. So so I think they have also um, advantages by being a dyslexic as well. So that's why I don't mm-hmm. think it's a dis- disability at all. Yeah, 
Wow, interesting. And, you know, and too, I imagine most of the public, when they don't really understand dyslexia, uh, they confuse it uh, with a, uh, an intelligence deficit as opposed to just a, a, a reading-related thing um, because, obviously, there are many dyslexic people out there who are highly intelligent. Um, so it's not, it's not linked to intelligence. Uh, am I correct in that? Certainly, yes. I mean, Einstein, uh, Thomas Edison, um, and there are so many people out there, you know, um, Charles Schwab, Richard Branson, and these people are, are the ones who are changing the world, and, and they're all dyslexic. And if you read their life stories, they usually say they failed at school, it was miserable, but they, mm-hmm. they were successful because of their dyslexia. Wow, very interesting. And that's so important for people to know. You know, because that that begins to remove some of the stigma uh, that uh, I think people with dyslexia, you know, often suffer from. Um, so tell tell me a little bit why why the need for young dyslexics to practice reading. Okay, um, this answer might be a bit long, but I I think this is a very very critical point. So I'll sure. be um, uh, I'll take my time on this one. So um, naturally, yeah, like anyone who's learning, <laughs> naturally anyone who's learning a new task needs to practice the skill to automate it. As they say, practice mm-hmm. makes it perfect, right? So every mm-hmm. beginner reader needs to practice to get better. But the reading patterns are different in a dyslexic brain. Their brain matches the sounds with letters in more steps, so they need more time to read, which makes it so much more important to practice regularly. However, just like more reading is not enough for fluency. It has to be the reading at the right level of words. So there's amazing new research in neuroscience, and the book that I really like is Age of Opportunity by Lawrence Steinberg, which explains how the brain works so simply and beautifully. So, um, so I'll get a bit technical here, how the brain works, because I'm just fascinated by it. So our mm-hmm. brain functions uh, by transmitting electrical impulses across neurons simply to relay the race, like um, simply like a, a relay race, race in a track team, how uh-huh. the athletes pass the baton from one athlete to the other. Mm-hmm. So there are tiny gaps between the neurons, and the impulse has to jump, from, jump the information from one to the other to be relayed and moved on. So we can like, think about this like the electricity moving through the light switch. In an electrical mm-hmm. circuit, um, However, when we use the circuit more and more, it warms down. In the brain, it's just the opposite. The, the more we use the circuit and the more it's activated, the stronger it becomes because the connections between the neurons multiply each time we use the circuit, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So similarly, um, I would say that um, if you don't use the connections, then those connections become weaker, and at the end, they cease to exist. So by practicing fluency with a dyslexic uh, child, the more direct and efficient circuits becomes the dominant one, and which means that the older and the, the longer path cease to exist because they don't use it anymore. Mm-hmm. So it actually, I'm, I'm guessing that the later you start, the harder it is too. Exactly. So, um, so if the child is younger, which is you know one of the things I'm most advocate of, is finding and catching this as early as we could. It's, um, it just makes it so much easier to, um, to either not even use the, the older path because it's not really built strongly, or if it's even built, it's so much easier to break, as you said. 
And um, mm-hmm. and there's another thing that uh, that really fascinates me is, uh, you know, with with the way the, the um, circuits get stronger is the amount of load we put on it. So I I think of this as um, as going to the gym. So if you, if you work out and if it's too weak or if it's too heavy, we don't really get the best results. So if right. we push ourselves just a bit, then the muscles grow and and we get stronger. So to maintain our strength, we could use the same weights over and over again. But if we want to get stronger, we either have to lift more weights or we have to do more repetitions. So it's really similar in our brain as well. But we just need the right stimulation to strengthen the connections again. So if the book Mm -hmm. is too easy or if it's too difficult, then the development will not occur in building that bridge. So for dyslexic children, the early reader books will be too easy. And the chapter books will be too difficult. And, uh, uh, and so walk- your books will kind of meet them right in the middle. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's the appropriate level of challenge to stretch them with the right amount of support to help them be successful at it. Yeah, so, and it's not just the psychological confidence, which I'm, I'm very you know, big on as well, but there is also neuroscience that supports that it really has to be the right level. Mm-hmm, Sure. Sure. Yeah, you know, I love all the, the you know, uh, reading I've done about the neuroplasticity of the brain, uh, which is really what you're talking about. And I know that um, uh, what's the, there's a website, they were doing commercials for a while, but they stopped, but where you can actually train your brain. Um, forgot what it's called, but you actually have a membership on this website, and there's puzzles and games that you play on a daily basis. It actually gives your brain a, uh, a neurological workout every day. It improves memory, improves retention. So that's certainly something that all people can benefit from. And then certainly uh, if you have you know, a learning difference or a learning disability such as dyslexia, it's the same theory. It's about really exercising, uh, exercising those skills uh, to become sharper and better. Is it the most your brain trainer? Ah, yes, lumosity.com, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that. I, I, I love those, that stuff. I use it all the time. I don't know if it's working or not, but it can't hurt, right? It's fun too. <laughs> right. Well, you can actually track your progress, and so you can actually see if it's working because yeah. it keeps score for you on the games, you know. So uh, yeah. I know it can really help me remember names, which is very difficult for me. <laughs> so uh, my favorite game but is the one where you're – you're a um, you're working at a snack stand at a beach, and pe- customers are coming up and they're ordering things, and you have to remember who gets what. And if you remember people's names when they come back the next day, you get bigger tips, and that's how it measures your <laughs> your ability to remember. And it's actually very cool. <laughs> so, so, tell me a little bit about um, how you found out that your son had dyslexia. How did that occur for you? So uh, we knew his reading skills were behind his other capabilities, um, especially his like spatial thinking and math abilities. But um, but his teachers weren't concerned. Again, he was only just towards the end of age six at that time. And when they weren't concerned, we weren't concerned either. And I did not know much about dyslexia other than hearing it from a parent of one of my daughter's classmates during a Halloween party maybe a year or two back. They were very open mm-hmm. about it, and they gave some specific examples, like um, memorizing the text rather than reading, cluing in the words such as like reading the word puppy as dog or ship as boat by just looking at the picture and illustrations and guessing rather than actually reading each single word. And they said that you know, they were reversing letters such as B and B, W and M, and reading like on as no. 
so it just kind of stuck in my mind, but I, you know, I didn't really think much about it. Then um, when my son, again, he was six years old at the time, he told me one day that he could not do math anymore because of word, word problems, and he thought, like, something was wrong. Um, this, this information just kind of came flashing back because we were watching, and I think things were brewing in my mind. But I didn't mm-hmm. put the puzzle together until he said he felt like something was wrong. So, you know, what, when my child says he, he, when my child is asking for help, of course, I just uh, started investigating. So, um, although mm-hmm. no one was worried and he was still so young, after I started looking into dyslexia, I was sure he had it. So, we didn't wait until the second grade or after he turned eight to do the testing. Uh, we just did it within, within weeks after kind of figuring out what happened. And I quickly realized that that was really the best decision that we could have done. And um, we intervened, and I think the the gap between him and his classmates never really opened up too much. So Mm -hmm. the catching up he has to do was always less painful than what I hear many many children have to go through. And and the challenge with dyslexia is that it's a hidden learning difference, right? So sometimes, you know, the only way to realize this is really to be tune in to the child and and I'm certain that like every dyslexic knows that they're not able to read like their friends so um mm-hmm. so we just have to look for for it and and figure out how we can catch it early it sounds like you know early detection and and dealing with it is is really critical for the self confidence piece because the more that gap that you mentioned between him and his classmates uh, and their abilities the more that gap widens the less his confidence, and then it just compounds the whole problem. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. Very cool. Um, we actually have a caller that uh, I'm going to pick up, and I believe we have uh, Philomena calling in. Philomena, thank you for calling Mark My Words. Hi, Mark. Hi, Cheetahim. How are you? Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. We're doing great. I'm one of your kicks. Great, great. I'm one of your Kickstarter supporters, uh, so I'm really oh happy gosh. to be listening in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, but uh, the reason why I was calling is because I had the opportunity um, to have my daughter, who's six, read a portion of your book, and uh, she she loved it. I mean, she said that it was much easier to read than other books that she's read in the past. Um, we still haven't officially diagnosed her as being dyslexic. We haven't gone through any of the testing. But I I did notice a lot of the things that you said earlier in the show as far as reversing the words. For instance, let's say she's reading and the word says map. She may say Pam. Or um, uh, she still has a really difficult time uh, between uh, D and B or P and Q. She's constantly asking me, Mommy, uh, is this how you spell a D? And it might be a B. Um, she mm-hmm. also memorizes a lot of the books. Uh, she's in a reading club, which is supposed to help her, but she may have to read the book more than once. And what I notice is she's not really reading it. She's memorized the words. So what other, yeah, so what other symptoms should I be looking out for? Well, that's an excellent question, and um, I divide the symptoms into two categories. The first one is for, like, a younger age group, maybe kindergarten, first grade, or younger. And the second one is a bit older, where it's second grade and up. So, um, and, and to be honest, my son didn't show any of the sign, signs for the younger group, but he had almost all of the signs for the older one, and it was as if he hit a brick wall suddenly. 
he was doing well, and then one day it just stopped. And and again, dyslexia shows up differently for each and every child, so these are only general guidelines. But I would say that the typical uh, signals that you should watch for younger children would be that they may have trouble with nursing rhymes and don't recognize rhyming patterns. They can't learn or remember names of the letters in the alphabet and mispronounce familiar words. They do not understand the, that words that come apart. And uh, they don't associate letters with sounds and, and can't sound simple words like cat or big. For the older mm-hmm. kids, however, um, it's a bit more complex. So their complaints are about that reading is hard and they can't read new words because they haven't memorized them yet. They're not advancing in reading skills and they memorize rather than reading not just words but also texts. And I have seen people who have actually uh, memorized chapter books and could recited which which is unbelievable and they often avoid reading aloud because it's just difficult and embarrassing for them and they confuse uh, words sounds uh, that sound or sim- look or look similar like a uh, smell and small kick and lick and i often have a messy handwriting and poor spelling as well and and some kids if this continues might have low self-esteem and confidence instead of being you know very bright kids and and it's common that dyslexia runs in the family. So if they have family members with reading problems, that could be another sign that, you, should, you know, you should maybe pay attention as well. I hope this answered your we, question. No, it did. And and one of the things that um, we, my husband and I truly believe that my husband has dyslexia, um, but he was never officially diagnosed. So I believe you when you say it runs in the family. Also, um, what we noticed with our daughter is she's in first grade right now. When she was in kindergarten, um, she ended kindergarten at the appropriate reading level for her age group. When she started first grade, that's when all of the struggling started. And I think it's because probably the words became more complex and and. I think maybe there's more words that she has to memorize in the book too, and and she's struggling with that. But one of the uh, reasons why we think we're going to get her tested early is exactly what you said with the whole confidence. Uh, She's at an age now where she's noticing that her classmates um, know how to read better than she can. And she'll come home and she'll say, oh, so-and-so knows how to read this and I can't. And so we really see that it's affecting her self-esteem and her confidence. Yeah, I yeah that really sounds like so important to jump right in there and, and nip it in the bud. That's what we were talking about before, right, that the sooner the better because then the, the gap doesn't widen um, as much. And uh, so I'm really, I'm really glad, Phil, to hear that, um, that Cheatham's book has, has given you a beginning to be able to, uh, uh, to address this uh, with, uh, with your daughter. And um, yeah. I, hope, uh, I, continue, I, I hope the continued progress uh, accelerates. Uh, very quickly for you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for allowing me to speak to her. And um, you know, I really help. She's a, she's a, able to help other children that are in the same situation. Certainly, well, and, so and also on Cheetah's behalf, let me thank you for contributing to her Kickstarter campaign. Um, and uh, so that's really, really awesome. And in fact, we'll even let listeners know how they can do that if they would, uh, if they would like to as well a little bit later. Cheetah, you were going to say something. Oh, I just want to thank her for the Kickstarter campaign too. That that ended a while back, but um, we met our goal, and it's all making it possible for this book to come out sooner than later. Great! Oh, you're welcome. Very it's cool. Definitely worth it. <laughs> thank you. Certainly. Well, so Amina, thank you for uh, 
for uh, calling in. Much appreciated. So, very good. So, when you um, when you first learned that Chatham that your that your son was dyslexic, how did how did that feel? What did you go through? That's a good question. Um, I'm I'm one of those people that rather identify the root cause for any issues in my life, so I just can move on to corrective action quickly. So I actually was glad that there was an explanation, and now we could make a plan for him to succeed. But but you know, to be honest, on the other side, I was um I was also worried about what was ahead of him in the school years. Like even though I knew he was a bright and resilient boy, it's um it's still something that I don't want him to go through because um, no parent wants to see their own children struggle no matter what, and I'm no different. So um, Mm -hmm. he just turned eight, and he's still very young, and I'm still a bit nervous for this lengthy process, and um, I'm worried that it might burn him out a bit. But, you know, we're paying close attention to his clues, and we try to give him breaks where we can, but still continue at the full speed. And, and we have a daughter that needs as much attention and our love as well. So we try to balance everything, you know, the love and fun and fun and obligations at the at the Canaveral family. And, you know, some days are much tougher than others. And so, mm-hmm. some days are easier. But but to be honest, I'm not really concerned about his future success after school. I know that, if, you know, he's going, to be, um, he's going to be great in life. And I think this will help him, you know, achieve his dreams. I, I imagine and I sense that realizing that, that piece that you just said about his success, that it was a journey for you to get to the point where you understood and believed that that will be the case for him. Uh, I imagine it wasn't that way when you first found out, but that somewhere along the way uh, you, you developed that insight. Yeah, I think, um, I think you know, I felt much better because I think he was so young. I think now looking back, if he was older and the gap was, Bigger, I probably would have panicked a lot more mm-hmm. because as mm-hmm. someone has said, you know, she, you know, he was diagnosed really early in first grade, so he was still reading at grade level. But um, I, I really cannot imagine how I would feel if, um, you know, he was diagnosed at, you know, fifth grade or even, right. even later, where kids at right. that age group are reading to learn. You know, he's he's still, you know, he's still uh, able to catch up with, you know, everything in a classroom environment but um but i know not everybody is as lucky as we have been so i think you know our journey has been easier than many people out there mm-hmm. and and it's only because you know it's, he was diagnosed early right right and you know it's it's so interesting how it's really put you in a position to be able to be an advocate for others going through the same thing and to make a difference uh you know in the lives of other families of kids with dyslexia certainly i, I feel like um and I'm, I'm given a gift that um, I don't have, you know, we don't struggle as much as many others. We don't know what the future will be, but um, mm-hmm. the first year has been easier. And, and I want to make sure that, you know, I do the responsible thing and talk to others about this because the, re- the only reason I caught it early is because another family told me their own experience or else I wouldn't have any clue about what dyslexia is. Sure. What was your son's understanding of it at the time when when he understood and learned that he had dyslexia? How you know at eight years old, right? How, how did he relate to to relate to that? What was his understanding of it? Well, when and he was diagnosed, he was not even turning seven. He he was just towards the end of age six, so he wasn't really surprised mm-hmm. because he was the one who brought it to our attention. But I don't think he really understood what it is. So. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we kind of told them that, you know, some people are good at running, some people are good at drawing, and some are good at math, and some are good at reading. So we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, and he works hard at, um, at reading, and he's proud of his accomplishments. But, um, but he does complain, of course, that, you know, work is hard and it's difficult for him, and I can certainly see it in his day-to-day work. It's not, it's not easy for him. And, and we yeah. try to acknowledge that as well. But I think um, because he was so young, I don't think he really talked too much about it, which I think it made it easier because um, we didn't have to go through um, that he didn't didn't think that he wasn't smart enough or he wasn't good enough. We didn't have to go through those barriers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's so important. It's very consistent with something else. I did another show uh, a while back um, where I had interviewed a, a man. He's in his late 30s now or early 40s, and he has uh, cerebral palsy. And um, there was somebody who called into the show to speak to him uh, who has a eight- or nine-year-old son who has cerebral palsy. Um, and the person who called in is also an associate of mine and uh, whose son I've met. And he's such a wonderful kid, and he's just so bright and, and cheery and interactive. And a similar story about how they've not told him uh, that he has cerebral palsy. Um, and he's just at an age, though, where he's beginning to realize that uh, kids are saying things to him like, well, how come you walk funny? And how come you talk like that? Um, and he's like, talk like what? So now he's starting to come home with, why are they saying that to me? You know, because they always framed it very differently. Um, so now they're, you know, they're challenged in having to deal with that. And I, I think you know, that's part of the thing that I think must make this so difficult for the parents is seeing the kid go through that kind of pain if they're feeling left out, if they're feeling treated differently, which, which kids do when, when they're different from one another. You know, they tend to focus on the difference. Well, adults do it too, I guess, too, <laughs> to a pretty <laughs> large degree. But they tend to focus on the differences and single one another out. And, you know, it's at a time when that kind of socialization is so important that that could be just so painful. I agree, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we are going to take a brief commercial break, and when we come back for the second half, um, we'll, uh, we'll be taking more calls here on Mark My Words. And the number again to call is 646-716-9397. Um, so for right now, let's just go to a brief commercial break from our sponsor, Audible.com. Mark My Words is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio, you'll get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And there are some great titles that relate even to tonight's topic. One that I'm looking at right now is My Dyslexia by Pulitzer Prize winner Philip Schultz, an inspiring memoir of a Pulitzer Prize winner's triumph over disability. Despite being the winner of a Pulitzer Prize in poetry in 2008, Philip Schultz could never shake the feeling of being exiled into the dummy class, as he called it, in school, where he was largely ignored by his teachers and his peers and not expected to succeed. Not until many years later, when his oldest son was diagnosed with dyslexia, did Schultz realize that he suffered from the same 
and condition. So in this moving memoir, he traces his difficult childhood and his new understanding of his early years. And in doing so, he shows how a boy who did not learn to read until he was 11 went on to become a prize-winning poet by sheer force and determination. His balancing act, life as a member of a family with not one but two dyslexics, countered by his intellectual and creative successes as a writer, reveals an inspiring story of the strengths of the human mind. So that's My Dyslexia by Philip Schultz on audible.com. And now, back to Mark My Words. Okay, and we are back, and we are talking with Cheatham Knebel, who uh, has authored a book called Sam is Stuck, which is specifically written uh, for dyslexic children. Um, it's a high-concept, low-vocabulary chapter book uh, that really helps children learn to read, discover the love of reading, and uh, be able to develop their self-confidence around reading. So uh, welcome back, Cheatham, again. We're glad to have you uh, on the show this evening. Thank you. So... Certainly. So we've been talking about um, how, what it was like to discover that your son had dyslexia. We talked about what dyslexia is. Um, when you and I, briefly, uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, you told me a story of a little girl who made a wish over her birthday candles that kind of inspired you um, uh, in moving forward in your journey. Can you share, can you share that with us? Oh, sure. That's one of my um, favorite parts of, the, of any, any of the books I, I read. So um, mm. it's called Overcoming Dyslexia by Sally Shaywoods, and she talks about how many children whose childhood joys were just destroyed by dyslexia. And the story of Caitlin that she tells in her book is, is the one that really touched my heart. So the story goes like this. It's um, Caitlin's seventh birthday party. All through the party, she keeps asking to blow her candles out. So when the cake comes out, she runs to the table, closes her eyes, and um, blows out all the candles. And she runs up to her bedroom, and her mom finds Caitlin on her bed with her favorite storybook, which is Goodnight Moon, on her lap, and she, she has tears in her eyes. So Caitlin tells her mom that, you said I would have any wish I wanted, but my wish didn't come true. I still can't read the words on the page. So I, I really mm. thought that this was a very, very powerful message. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's very touching. How did that story inspire you to then go ahead and create Simple Words books? Um, it really gave me the strength to bring the Simple Words books to to life. So I wrote some stuff for my son. So when he asked for a chapter book to read, and I couldn't find a single book at the right level. So I feel like the story writing part was the easy part. But uh, creating Simple Words books where the written words and a piece of paper paper really became a children's book to solve a problem that um, one out of every you know, five ch- uh, ch- children actually face in the United States was, uh, was a bit of a tough journey. Uh, there's a New York, study, New, York, New York Times study that shows that more than 81% of Americans believe they have a book in them, and actually only less than 1% gets to publish a book. So after living through wow. the process, I, I relate to that 80% very, very easily. But on the other hand, I know that there are many kids out there, just like Caitlin and my son, that they want to read a book, but they simply can't because it's not the right book for them. So when mm-hmm. I don't have the time or I don't have the energy to work on the project, I think about Caitlin's story. And, and I feel like I have something she needs. I need to create the means to get it to her, and it just gets me 
going. Wow. It's, um, I'm just really, what I'm struck by as you're talking is just the sort of undying commitment that you have as a mom to make sure your kid has what he needs, you know. And I, I, mean, I don't know why I should be surprised by that. That's what I think most of us would expect from a mom. Um, but there's just something that, that, as you're speaking, I'm just very touched by. Um, so I just I kind of had to say that. <laughs> um, certainly, certainly. Um, and I read Sam is Stuck actually before the show, and uh, so I, I, I can understand um, – you know, I have an understanding of the, 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 the word choices of them being all, you know, closed, uh, closed syllables, short, you know, one or two syllable words. Um, and uh, it was very, very interesting. Tell us a little bit about um, what's unique about your book, Sam is Stuck, because I'm guessing there have been lots of books already written that are simply to some degree so that children with dyslexia could read them. What makes your technique and particularly Sam is Stuck so different? So if there are any books out there, I, I haven't come across any, to be honest. And I think of myself mm. as a resourceful person. So there's simple books out there in the market at the right le- reading level, but the content is for a much younger audience. So around second grade or so, books with only one or two sentences each page are not exciting for, for the kids anymore. And, mm. um, but those who struggle with decoding the words are left with no books because they can't read and they can't read and enjoy the chapter books because it's just um, it's just too tough for them. So as their classmates move up to chapter bo- books, I think they start feeling left behind. So in my opinion, this is like a downward turning point for many kids. It causes them to lose self confidence, and until then, maybe they most feel, mostly feel like um, you know they're not able to read. But now they might begin to think that they can't read because they're not as smart as others, and and just because it just this you know reading comes so easily to many other people around them, and and we know it's not true. So um, right. what's unique about stuck is that um, I believe it's it's really good for um, for a few things. First of all, it's good for improving fluency because the um, the word choices are the words that are uh, decodable easily, and it improves comprehension because once the child can read the words with more fluency, they can retain the information. And most importantly, as I've been saying it all along the show, it improves confidence, like growth mindset, and resilience. I, I really believe that our expectations and perception determine our reality. So when it comes to achieving success, um, children need to believe that they can succeed. But then yep. like, how can a child who repeatedly cannot read a book, like that's something, again, so simple to others or for others around him, uh, how, can they continue that they can believe, how can they continue to believe that they can succeed? You know, he needs mm-hmm. to be given the, the right tools. So Simon Stack is, um, as, in, as you said beautifully in the beginning of the show, is really a hybrid of Hop on Pop by Dr. Seuss and Frog and Toad by Arnold Global. Um, I believe it fills the void in the market for high, low-level, um, high-content chapter books, which, um, which I, I feel that there's a big need for. So we put the emphasis on using mostly like single and close syllable words that are easier to decode and sound tap, which is a very critical mm-hmm. technique for dyslexics. And we use short sentences and use uh, frequently used Dutch sight words that are commonly recognized by early readers. And the book has six chapters and it's just under 4,000 words, so it's long enough to be a chapter book, but not too long to overwhelm the child. 
And we have a word list that, um, that's included in the book. So the parents and the teachers can judge the reading level to match the reader's level. And they can also uh-huh. use this list to practice each word <clears throat> as a reader before reading the book to improve the fluency. Interesting. So, so I guess then as a child gets older, their ability to read stuff that's a higher level context, of course, increases. And then, of course, sure. so does their ability to read more complex words. But in a dyslexic child, only the first one develops. They, still, they develop the ability to understand and appreciate um, the higher context, but they can't read the words. And then the books that are written with the words they can read aren't high context enough, so I'd imagine it doesn't interest them and it bores them. Exactly, yes. So what you've done is you've managed to, to mix the two. So the context has increased while the, the reading level, the word, uh, the word reading level uh, still stays behind where they, could, uh, where they, can, they can pick that up. That's, uh, that's fascinating. And, and you kind of discovered that on your own, or um, had you done some reading and research that helped you land on that? How did you, how did you figure that piece out? Especially when no one else has until now. I mean, that's amazing. Um, well, I I think um, it's really. I mean, I didn't know much about the, the techniques, but I was taking my, you know, son to um, to get tutored, and I just sat outside, and and I was just listening so I could understand what he's learning, and I would be able to support him in you know practicing what he's learning. So um, it just started to kind of click while I was listening that I knew what he was able to read and I couldn't find anything that actually had the, you know, right target words. And um, mm. and I, I feel like, um, you know, it's just, um, I'm really good at, um, like, breaking things into pieces and then rebuilding it to to create something new. And that has been mm-hmm. the strength of mine, you know, as, as long as I can remember. So I think it really came naturally to me. Wow, and, um, that's great. And and it's um it's funny that I um you probably have noticed that you know um English is not my native language. So like when I read <laughs> an article about uh, dyslexia, it mentioned that dyslexics were successful despite of their uh, they, they were not success, they were successful not despite of their learning difference, but mostly because of it. And I feel like I can write these books maybe not despite of my English as a second language, but actually because it is my second language. I can analyze mm-hmm. the syllables and words and sentences in a different way than native speakers do. And I, and I speak a few other languages as well. So I, I think I have a dis- different perspective than a native speaker does. And, and I well, think, sure, because um, you actually have to, you have to think and be conscious of how you're putting the sentence together uh, when you're speaking in a language that's not your first language. Whereas when it's your first language, it just happens automatically. You don't really think about um, the word choices because you're just going by what you're used to hearing. Yes, mm-hmm. hmm. uh, I agree. So I feel like yeah. you know it was a uh, maybe it was a shortcoming that turned into a you know a great strength in this in the situation. <laughs> yeah, wow, amazing. Um, we have another caller actually that I would like to take. Um, so we have, I believe, Christine. Christine, thank you for calling in to mark my words. How are you tonight? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for lo- allowing me to call in. Oh, certainly. Happy to take your call. So I guess um, first, from a uh, mother of a dyslexic child, I would like to thank you so much for writing the book. Um, It's (laughs) 
quite difficult when you have a child who's dyslexic because you're constantly doing tutoring and, and extra stuff. So for her to be able to take the time um, to do something wonderful, not just for her son, but for everyone else, um, and allow these children to have something extra and special that they can really focus on is, is just very commendable. Well, thank you so much, Christine. Yeah, that's great. It's great. I'm also glad, Christine, for you, uh, as for every parent out there, uh, that this is a new resource that uh, has become available for you and that you know, I hope other books uh, will be uh, written as well. Uh, to really reach that many more children. And so children who are dyslexic have more than just one book <laughs> to enjoy. Um, but it's so delightful to hear, Christine, how um, how this has made such a difference for you and your family. So, um, Christine, I believe, uh, I believe I sent you the, um, the, the book. Um, we have actually never met, believe it or not. Um, one of our friends, uh, mutual friends, introduced us through Facebook. And, and we started really corresponding back and forth. And you know, she has been such a great support on, on everything, and her feedback has been just uh, amazing. So um, but what did you think about the book, and, and what's your experience with it so far? So I think the book is wonderful. Um, I allowed my, so my son is 10, and he's been diagnosed with dyslexia for a little over two years. So he was right just starting second grade when he was diagnosed. Um, and I kind of just gave it to him and, and, and sat him down and, and read it and with him and allowed him to read it out loud so that he could give me his true feedback. And he was so delighted because, you know, one of the big things with him um, is it did affect his self-confidence. Um and one of his big things is he would like to choose books that were on um, his interest level. You know, he wanted to read about dinosaurs or Legos or whatever, and he just couldn't comprehend the words. So one of his big things was early on, all of my friends are reading chapter books. Why can't I read? I just want to be able to read a chapter book. That's, you, you know, a big um, I guess in school, a big thing, like it's very exciting when you can move to a chapter book. So he was, um, he felt confident uh, reading the book. He loved it. He loved the story. It was not a struggle to get him to sit down and want to come back to it. Um, when we mm -hmm. took a break, um, it was easy for him to read and decode, and he enjoyed the storyline and the little lesson at the end. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Christine. You said that um, it was it was easy to get him to come back to reading it after a break. Um, was that a change? Was it was it hard to do that earlier? So yes. <laughs> so <laughs> um, homework was a very big struggle for us. Any kind of anything outside of school um, was constantly met with, you know, frustration. I don't, you know, I don't want to do it. I work so hard in school. I'm trying so hard. I'm not good at this. Um, so he has progressed um, greatly since second grade. Um, and then this year uh, in fourth grade, he's had great success. So it gave him great confidence to be able to sit down and really not struggle with something. Um mm -hmm. And I promised him 
since he does work so hard and we try just at home uh, to read for fun because he has so much pressure with tutoring and, and whatnot that, you know, I you don't have to sit down and read the whole thing at the same time. We'll take it, you know, piece by piece. And normally it's it's a negotiation prior <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, to sure. sitting down to read something. Well, how long do I actually, how many pages do I have to read? How, you know, can I just read one page or can I, you know, and then can I take a break and go play? So we did not have that with this book. Um, wow. So the first negotiation, the first day was, okay, you can read one page and be done with it. And then tomorrow we'll come back and read more. And the next day he didn't even, he did not try to negotiate with me. He just said, okay, I'll, I'll read some more. And we sat down and read, read more. And when I noticed that he was getting a little tired, um, we took a break. And then the next day, the same thing. So he did very much enjoy it. Um, he said it was a great book. Um, and and I could just see for him that it did increase his confidence. Sure. Um, so How does that make you feel to see that? <laughs> it was a, it was a, everything um, is our tiny celebrations, but I enjoy reading very much and um, my other children enjoy reading very much. Um, and it was a, a glimmer of hope that someday mm-hmm. he will actually read for pleasure instead of, mm-hmm. Um, feeling forced to. Wow, and Cheetah, and I'm so glad that you had the opportunity to hear to hear Christine say that because that's the difference that you're making. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Wow, you know, and I can relate to some of that too. Just a little personal share here. Um, I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder um, at age 30. We didn't know it as a kid because back when I was a kid, we didn't really know from from that too much uh, back then. Um, it made a whole lot of sense as my parents and I replayed challenges and stuff uh, that I had experienced in my life early on. It explained just about everything, and the homework nights that you're talking about, Christine. Uh, I just remember the pain of those. I remember the yelling and the screaming and the crying and the frustration. Um, You know, and it it wasn't dyslexia, but it was, you know, I had something in my way from being able to relate to the work and really do it because I just couldn't pay attention long enough or if it wasn't stimulating enough, I wasn't interested in it, I couldn't get it, you know, those sorts of things. And uh, and I think I turned out okay despite all that. (laughs) So, uh, So, yes, there's certainly hope. If I could do it, then there's certainly hope for your son as well. <laughs> well, so. I think that's a great point to bring up is that often children with um, quote-unquote disabilities um, figure out a way in life that maybe people who don't struggle as children uh, may not have as much resilience. Um, some mm-hmm. people that um, breeze through school early on and really don't have to work through it um, you know, just expect everything to be easy in life. So I'm hoping that this is a building block that he can go through of, you know, I really looked at this and I tried very hard and I succeeded. Um, It wasn't something that came easy to me. So I'm hoping that he can take that as a lesson throughout his life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. 
Well, great. Well, Christine, thank you so much for calling in and sharing. I really uh, appreciate it, and um, I wish you the best of luck as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so so much for darling, and I I really appreciate it. You made my day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, talk soon, I'm sure. All right. Bye-bye. So, Interesting, you know, it's it's I, I loved what Christine had to say about, you know, when it comes easy we we um we expect it to be easy. When we have to work for it and it becomes difficult, uh, or starts out difficult, you know, we find ways around it and it could ultimately be our greatest gift. As they say, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? Or as we like to say <laughs> in the uh and we like to say in the in the self development and and coaching world, what does if it what what doesn't kill you makes a great seminar story. <laughs> so uh <laughs> it's true, you know, so many of us go through difficult things that make us stronger and better in so many ways that we wouldn't have been better and stronger had we not had that uh that trial or tribulation to go through. So uh so very cool. So so Jim, tell me a little bit about um how this whole project of Simple Words books has affected your family. Well, um, I think it's it's really um, brought us closer. Um, I, I mean, it, it really became a, a a whole project for all of us. So my son, who's the youngest in the family, helped with the storyline, and he was extremely helpful in editing the words that were difficult to decode. So I had my personal focus group and test markers right right in my <clears> under <throat> my roof. And uh-huh. my daughter, who's eleven now, um, shared her feedback on the storyline. Uh, she wanted to make sure I told that uh, she did help me with the grammar as well, and she did help with the study books that we're uh, we're working on right now. And and even my husband, um, his birthday present to me was a software that he wrote that analyzed the word frequency of the story, which was very critical on in really seeing each word and creating the word list and looking through each single word to see if they were decodable or not. So, I mean, as you can mm-hmm. see, we dived in as a family and created something, and I hope that we'll be proud of. Wow, wonderful. And uh, I guess similarly, how did the project help you grow personally? Like, what's the, the most valuable growth you personally deep down experienced in going through this and creating the project? Um, throughout my um, early adulthood, I, I really worked on improving my positive outlook on life. And I certainly raised my energy leadership index by truly changing my mindset. But I felt like something was, was missing in my life. I, you know, I had and I still have a great life. I have everything I need and many things I want, a you know, wonderful family, great health, and a career I love. But, um, but still, I felt like there was a void in my life. So I took a deeper dive. Uh, into into that void, and I began questioning my life, my goals, you know, my legacy. I guess I'm getting older as well. Mm-hmm. So um, as I looked deeper into my core values, that I realized I was not fulfilling a critical one for me, which was helping others in a greater way. And I feel like this project really um, filled that void. Mm. So it really kind of helps you find a, a purpose in the world, pretty much like what you're what you're here to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and in my work with people as a coach, too, that's that's the thing that I keep learning again and again and again is, you know, we, we go through these things in our lives that when they first show up, they show up as like, oh, what the heck is this, <laughs> right? Like, what yeah. now, you know? And, uh, and then as we evolve through it, so many of us find that it, that's exactly what we need to be going through to accomplish whatever it is we've been put here to accomplish this time around. 
Um, and uh, it sounds like that's, that's what you've experienced. So what are the next steps for Simple Words books? Um, well, in the short term, as you said, um, the, the book is on pre-order on Amazon, and it will be launched on May 31st. And we are still working on finalizing um, the writing practice study workbook, which I hope you know, if the kids will like the book, it will also be you know more um, more engaging for them to practice words that are included in the book and with a similar storyline. And a comprehension uh, workbook, again, for semi stock so that um, you know parents can actually uh, ask these questions to the children to understand whether they're really comprehending what they're reading, which is very critical as well. And these, these um, materials are all free and um, in, the, uh, in our website. They can just go, go in and read, uh, join our Redlexia book club. And there's no, no cost to become a member. And, um, and our website is simplewordsbooks.com. And the word list is on our website, so they can, um, they can look into it and see if the book is a good match for them. And uh, mm-hmm. even though the book will be on sale for Amazon, we will be sending out information uh, based on Amazon's um, regulations. And every so often, I want to offer the book for, for a free promo because um, I, I do not want any child not to have access to this book because of any financial restrictions. So um, just become a member and follow up on when the book will be free and take advantage of it. And I hope by August we target to have the print version of Semistock on Amazon. And this might be the only product that not might be available for free because there is a cost to actually print and ship the book. So, um, mm-hmm. But we have about um, over, three, over 100 books free to give away. Uh, through our generous Kickstarter backers, so just you know, just um, just contact us and we'll we'll get you what you need. And um, and we're also considering a read-along audiobook, which uh, I know my son loves audiobooks, so mm-hmm. I thought that might be a good match for for the set. But we would like to hear the feedback from readers and dyslexia member, relaxia members to gauge demand and if there's an interest level. So um, feel free to reach out to us and share your opinion. And we would be, you know, we would be very grateful to to know what you think, what you need, so so we can prepare that for the next step. And in the longer term, we are working on three other books at the same time, which seems like a crazy, you know, project. You know, one is a series of them stuff where um, where the main characters this time help a small fox, and this is, you know, I'll, I'll write this because uh, my son and my daughter requested the story. They wanted a fox mm-hmm. to be helped. And the other oh, story nice. is about someone. The other story is about a summer camp and the friction between some of the campers due to some unresolved issues from the past. And and I'm hoping that could also uh, be more interesting for kids who are a little bit older as well. And and Mm -hmm. we're considering maybe a short story book because what Christine said is very true that, you know, most of these kids can't just sit down and read for extended periods of time. What I'm seeing with my son is if I give him like a one or two pager, it's he has more emotional stamina to start reading. So um, so that's something I'm considering, maybe writing short stories and bring them all together in a book. So that's, well, that's all we have in the book right now. Mm-hmm. Not what you thought your life was going to be about until recently, huh? That is true, yes. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I never liked English. I didn't like literature. They were painful subjects for me at school. And, uh-huh. and I had really low grades, just like barely passing. So uh, now I'm mm-hmm. looking and I'm, I'm writing a book 
in English. It's just uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Well, very good. So before we wrap up and come back with uh, Cheatham's final thoughts on tonight's topic, let me just tell folks a little bit about my next show, which will be on May 15th. And then I'm going to tell you what you can expect on some of our other upcoming shows here on the Life Coach Radio Network stations over the next few days. So my next show, of course, is two weeks from tonight, May 15th, and uh, that's going to be another uh, call-in and get coached live show. So if you would like to uh, be coached live on the show, uh, you can go ahead to markmywordsradio.com and fill in the uh, contact form uh, to be coached live on the show. There's a specific form to fill out for that. Go ahead and do that. Uh, You can also sign up to receive announcements about my show by joining my email list at markmywordsradio.com. Click on the home link and then click on subscribe to my free newsletter button above my picture. You can also set up an auto reminder at blogtalkradio.com slash lifecoachradionetwork, and then just scroll to the next episode of Mark My Words uh, once it's posted, and click the blue reminder button so that you won't miss it. And be sure to listen to the next great show coming up on the Life Coach Radio Network's sister station, the Life Coach Chat Channel, hosted by one of my awesome colleagues here on the Life Coach Radio Network's team of talented and dedicated coaches, all dedicated to making your life just a little bit more of what you want it to be. So Wednesday at 12 noon, um, that is Wednesday, what, today's May 1st, so May 2nd, May 4th. Uh, Coach Sherry Wynn with the Wynn Philosophy. Uh, Coach Sherry is an, is an in-demand motivational speaker, a leading success coach and seminar trainer, a two-time Olympian, a national championship basketball coach, and an Amazon bestseller. She's written five books, including Unleash the Winner Within You, a success game plan for business leadership and life. Um, Thousands from small business owners to athletic coaches and corporate executives have enjoyed Coach Wynn's powerful, interactive, and humorous winning presentations. So Coach Shelley is going to talk with, uh, talk with us about the win philosophy and the principles of it and how to be victorious even when the odds appear insurmountable. The win philosophy will teach how corporations, organizations, and teams can develop a winning culture. So, uh, great. So, Cheatham, Tell us, bottom line for you, what's the, the, the bottom line message that you would like for listeners tonight to take away uh, from our chat? Um, I, I think there is really no such thing as a child like, who, who hates to read. I think you just have to give them the, the right books and teach them that they can, they can actually succeed. And, and I, I really believe that it is very critical for um, dyslexia to be diagnosed early. It, uh, I think that makes the biggest difference in, in the child's and the, and the whole family's life. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that by being on the show and talking about my personal experiences, um, it will help other people to, uh, to diagnose things earlier and hopefully make their lives easier. Great, great. Well, Chidam, thank you so very much for being on the show, for taking on this project, again, you know, kind of falling into it, um, but then really taking it on uh, and and really in advance for the difference that I know uh, you're going to be making for so many dyslexic children out there and families uh, of dyslexic children. And I'm so delighted to be able to have the opportunity to have you on the show, help you promote the book, help you get the word out there, um, as well as connect you with some of the resources that we've talked about uh, offline uh, to help you get the book out there into many, many more hands. So uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight, Chidam, and that's, it was really great, great speaking with you. 
Uh, it's, it's my pleasure, and I, I really appreciate that you take the time and giving me the opportunity to, to get the word out there. Oh, certainly. My pleasure, and you're more than welcome. And just to repeat the quote that you said before, which I just think is so critical, there's no such thing as a child who hates to read. There are only children who have not found the right book. Well, that about wraps it up for tonight, as I invite you to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback about the show, just go to markmywordsradio.com and scroll down to the feedback link. If you'd like to follow the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, just visit us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash lifecoachradionetwork and then click on the follow button. Also, visit our website at www.lifecoachradionetworks.com and learn about all of our networks. I hope you enjoyed the past hour and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. You can listen to Mark My Words live on the first and third Sundays of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as listen to any previous show from my archives at markmywordsradio.com and on iTunes by searching Mark My Words. I look forward to speaking with you all again next time. Thank you for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. Good night. <laughs>